Good morning, Delaware. Oh, boy, do I feel like a hypocrite saying that. (laughs) It is so drizzly, rainy, ugly out there. I know, and it's such a day that has so many wonderful community events happening. I know, the Touch a Truck and Powell, the first Mm -hmm. Friday, and my goodness, they're, they're, they're just Mother Nature has just given us a kick right in the shins. We did not order this. No, we didn't. Uh, you know so. what I ordered? I ordered 70 degrees for like a true spring. It never comes. You may get it for Mother's Day. Did you pay expedited shipping for that? Oh, <laughs> that's, that was the problem. <laughs> that's Nicole Fowles on the other microphone there. And Gage Tellus behind the board. Good Hope morning. everybody's having a good morning. Yes. So anyway, uh, we our guest today will be Susan Hetrick and uh, Sherry Valiba from the Center for Disability Empowerment. They'll be joining us in the second half of the show to talk about the mobile vaccination clinics that are coming to the Delaware County District Library later this month and in June. Also coming to Marysville. So we'll we'll let them mention that too, even though this is the Delaware County District Library show. That's fine. <laughs> so, we'll share the love. So we are going to talk a little bit about Sarah Vowell this morning. We've each had a, yeah. a book we, we we actually talked ahead of time about today's show. I said, what are you talking about tomorrow? Because I'm reading this one. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, then I'll read this one. So, <laughs> so go ahead. What Which one are you ta- reading about? Well, we know it takes me a little bit longer to get through a book than it takes you, George. So we, we just... Well, we both were listening, though. So yeah. it, it really, it takes about the same amount about of time. About the same amount of time. It's true. Uh, so I am listening to Sarah Vowell. Uh, Lafayette and the Somewhat United States. I'm listening to it on audiobook. And uh, for audiobooks, it's about an eight eight hour ish book, mm-hmm. um, which is relatively short. Um, and which is maybe one of the reasons why I picked it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, all of hers run right about seven to eight hours. Ooh, that's good to know. Yeah. That's good to know. This uh, it, it is read by the author. It's also um, includes if you look at the cast that's included in it. You have Fred Armisen, Bobby uh, Cannavale, Alexis Denisoff. Uh, the Nick Offerman, Patton Oswalt, um, music by Michael Giacchino, which he's of Pixar fame, mm-hmm. um, which is fun. But uh, so, yeah, if you want to hear what Patton Oswalt might sound like as a Thomas Jefferson, you'll get that joy. <laughs> and if you want to hear what Nick Offerman sounds like as a George Washington, you'll get that joy. <laughs> <laughs> it almost is like drunk history. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So the the story of Lafayette and the Somewhat United States, um, this is her most recent book, which is published in 2015, um, and it really talks about the kind of birth of the um, America as we know it today, 1776, yep. the American Revolution. Um, as you know, George last week talked about unfamiliar fishes, which is the story of Hawaii and how it came to be. Um, but this book, and I'm totally going to say that I'm stealing a lot of George's notes because he got further in it than I did. Uh, But it's about Lafayette's sentimental return to the United States in 1824. Um, He returned at the invitation of James Monroe, the fifth United States president and the last of the founding fathers to serve in that role. And he was really treated like a rock star. And as you the the book kind of begins with a triumphant return and then it backtracks into now let's talk about his childhood and how we got here. Um, And you really learn that Lafayette was chomping at the bit from a very young age to come to the United States because he really was a lot like a lot of the others at the revolution. He felt like he had nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. He, He was orphaned at age 12. Um, and he inherited a very nice uh, sum of money, and he was the wealthiest orphan in all of France. Um, he was uh, he went to the French court. Uh, he was set up to be married. He was uh, married at 15 to a 12-year-old bride, uh, but there were strict rules by her mother. There was no consummation, no nothing else, no babies <laughs> <laughs> until later. 
Uh, yeah, but, she was like all of 14 or 15 when she had her first. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Oh. oh, right, you know, just just 14, just, you know, early childbearing age. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, but anyway, he, the the fun thing that George and I were talking about, because I could, I could give you Lafayette's biography, but the fun thing that George and I were talking about is there are little side characters that mm-hmm. Sarah brings in, because she doesn't just research these stories, she experiences these stories. She went to the French countryside where uh, Lafayette was born, um, a small town in France, uh, still today with only a population of like 215 people. So mm-hmm. if you can imagine in 1755, you know, what that town would have looked like. Um, then she goes and like sits and drinks at a pub. Then she goes and experiences this. Then she talks to someone about this. And so, and we were saying she brings her nephew along with her. Right. <laughs> Owen. <laughs> yep. Owen and her sister Amy, her yeah. twin sister Amy. Yes. It's so much fun. Yeah. So much fun to just, you know, bring your family along. I'm going to do a little research about, you know, the Marquis de Lafayette. Um, the other fun character that she brought in that I want to read a book about. And so I think that's one of the fun things that you get in these books is it's like such a touch of a period in history that you fall in love with certain characters that you want more about is the Pierre-Augustine Caron de Beaumarchais. Yes. How did I do? Beautifully. Uh-huh. Uh, the Beaumarchais, uh, de Beaumarchais, is um, what we would call a polymath. He was a watchmaker, an inventor, a playwright you might know from The Marriage of Figaro or The Barber of Seville. Uh, he was a musician, a diplomat, a spy, mm-hmm. uh, a publisher, a horticulturalist, an arms dealer, satirist, financier, revolutionary. Uh, he goes as a spy over to the United States uh, in a side story. And he is a spy for the French uh, government um, to kind of feed back as far as how the revolution is going. And along the way, he sees um, a local troop practicing the Barber of Seville, and he breaks his his spy. He breaks character. Right, yes. Yeah, he, he drops the whole spy thing. The entire, alias, and go ahead, tell and, the story. Yeah, and he, he goes up and he's like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like such a French thing. Yeah. Also like such a theater thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All of the above. I mean, yeah. So he, he sees them in these performances and because he's like interested. Of course you're interested because you're pretending to be somebody else. He sees them. <laughs> doing this these rehearsals and he's like no stop it's wrong i'm gonna help you with this so he does he helps it all the way through opening night totally blowing his cover mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He, I, I i want a book just about pierre augustine caron de beaumarchais right <laughs> but yeah so you, you know you can ask sarah for that when she's here i know i want that i'm like i'm ready your next book i don't know what it is but it's gonna be this guy so yeah so anyway lafayette it just the book goes and talks about how he helped influence American French relations. Uh, you know, the whale blubber that they got in New England helped light the uh, streets of Paris. Uh, the French gave money to the Americans to help fight the revolution, much probably to the dismay of the French people who were not getting food at the time. Um, you know, <laughs> so there were really wonderful relationships happening there. Um, and then Lafayette, uh, you know, lives kind of a difficult life in the 40 years between his time in America and his time uh, returning to America. And um, yet he's still welcome back like like a rock star, mm-hmm. um, does a tour of the entire United States. Um, he gets to see the American army in all of their glory. Um, and it's yeah, it's just a very, very good um 
kind of story. I love the fact that she points out that 70,000 people came to see his boat arrive in New York Harbor, yes. which at that point was three quarters of the population of New York City. And she compares it to uh, when the Beatles arrived yes. to 4,000 people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 um, I was talking to someone yesterday and I was saying that one of the things that Sarah does very, very well is she tells a historical story in contemporary context. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but she does it without judging people. Which I think is fascinating. She right. she um she manages to put them in the context of their historical time, mm-hmm. and like yes, George Washington was a slaveholder, but George Washington also did all these other things, mm-hmm. and you can't judge him by either of those things. That that they're judging him today doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So it's that's what I think as a historian she does so well. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And and it's not without the uh, the dry commentary or the snide remarks right. remarks, which really <laughs> bring it to life. Exactly. So so I read Assassination Vacation, which to me is her best book. Mm-hmm. I, I love Lafayette and the uh, somewhat, United, United, somewhat United States. Uh, the Unfamiliar Fishes was a great exploration of Hawaii, which I knew almost nothing about, even mm-hmm. though I, I visited there. So, But I knew something about the assassination. So this was really interesting. But, you know, who goes on a cross-country road trip just to visit the sites where U.S. presidents have met their untimely violent right. deaths? <laughs> Sarah Vowell, that's who. Um, Maybe Molly Myers Labady. There you go. Right. I really think they're kindred spirits. And I think since, so, too. Uh, Molly is going to join me in picking her up from the hotel to bring her. I may not get a word in edgewise on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Sarah's a history buff who knows uh, how to make the subject come alive, like we've been talking about. In this case, though, she makes the subject come alive by focusing on death. On their death, right. Yep. So, or attempted. Um, so there have been four presidential assassinations in U.S. history. Lincoln in 1865, James Garfield in 81, 1881, William McKinley in 1901, and John Kennedy in 1963. And there have also been foiled attempts on the lives of several others, including Andrew Jackson, Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Truman, Gerald Ford, and Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. to name a few. Um, Val focuses primarily on the first three assassinations in this book. I saw an interview with her on uh, YouTube not long ago, and she said, oh, when she told her editor what she had in mind, he said, oh, you're not going to focus on the one everybody cares about, talking about the Kennedy assassination. And really, she doesn't. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's very little about the Kennedy assassination. Um, Abraham Lincoln's death is the lion's share of this book, really. Uh, his fate, which was so closely tied to the end of the Civil War and the dashed hopes for uh, humane and ju- uh, charitable reconstruction of the South, has challenged historians and curious Americans for more than 150 years. Val digs deep into the days leading up to the assassination and the manhunt for John Wilkes Booth. Now, your side trips that you talk about, mm-hmm. here's, here's a, here's a vowel like side trip uh, about John Wilkes Booth. The final Jeopardy answer last week on one of the shows was the three Booth brothers, including John Wilkes, ironically performed this Shakespearean play together in 1863. You have any idea? Is it the one that was performed the night of? No, because no, he wasn't no, there. No. Hmm. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Macbeth. Julius Caesar uh-huh. with the assassination of the emperor Mm -hmm. so anyway uh and only the canadian contestant got it right by the way (laughs) (laughs) which i thought was kind of ironic uh so anyway this is just a way of saying that sarah loves these side trips one of the best ones in here is about uh samuel mudd uh who everybody if if they know him at all he's the one who set john wilkes booth's leg after he broke it jumping off the stage or Mm -hmm. jumping onto the presidential box onto the stage after shooting lincoln uh, he fled into the Maryland countryside, found Dr. Mudd's house, got his leg set by him. Mudd got arrested for being part of the plot, mm-hmm. got sent to Devil's, uh, the Dry Tortugas to the prison there. 
Uh, and there's a long piece about him in there as a side trip. Uh, and by the way, another side trip was the phrase, your name is Mud, mm. is not have anything to do with Samuel Mud, even though that's kind of the folk etymology of that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, like Sarah, I digress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to talk more about like the McKinley assassination because that only happened eight miles from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as I said, her side trips are what makes this most interesting. She talks about Leon Solgos, who was the uh, anarchist who assassinated McKinley and knew Emma Goldman. So that takes her on a side trip about oh. Emma Goldman. Emma Goldman's a fascinating she story. She really is. Yeah. So, But I can't close without talking, at least mentioning, the man who was the zealot of the first three presidential assassinations, Robert Todd Lincoln. Oh. Robert Todd Lincoln was Lincoln's oldest son. He was at Lincoln's deathbed in the house across the street from Ford Theater when he died. He was with President Garfield at the 6th Street train station when Garfield was shot because he was his secretary of war and he was escorting him to the train. Hmm. And at McKinley's invitation, he was at the Pan American Exposition the day uh, McKinley was shot. Well, that seems so eerily he, suspicious. He never accepted another invitation from a president because he felt like he was a jinx. He should not. So anyway, <laughs> that's Assassination Vacation by Sarah Vall. It was published in 2005. Uh, all of these books are available in print or on audiobook or ebook through the library, through the CLC. And I have and, a... And there's a display of them right now uh, at the main library. Too. Yeah. And I have a super fun plug. Uh, tickets are on sale. They're $15. But if you have a student who loves American history, um, email PR, like public relations, PR at DelawareLibrary.org and tell us your students' uh, school and their favorite history teacher. It can be a high school or a college, and we'll give you a code for $5 off. That's great. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we're going to take a break here. When we come back, I think we're going to be talking to the folks from the Center for Disability Empowerment, so stay tuned. Hey, this we're back with uh, Susan Hetrick, who is the Executive Director of the Center for Disability Empowerment. Hi, Susan, are you there? Yes. Good. How are you? <laughs> Good. I'm sorry we kept you on hold for so long. We are having a little trouble with the phone system, so we're going to talk to you just to get an overview of what the Center for uh, Disability Empowerment is. Then we're going to cut you off, and we're going to bring uh, Sherry in so that she can talk about the event that's coming up at the library, okay? Absolutely. That's the joys perfect. of live radio. <laughs> and, and you just you just go with it, and you right. sound so ready to just go with it. So tell us about the Center for <laughs> Disability Empowerment, please. Well, we're a nonprofit agency. We're community-based. We're not residential. Uh, so we are considered a center for in- independent living. Usually when people hear that, they think senior citizens, independent living. Mm-hmm. It, it's not that. So we're non-residential. We're absolutely driven by the choice and direction of people with disabilities. Uh, we provide supports and resources for them to be participants and contributors in their communities. Um as they live, learn, worship, work, and play right alongside people who don't have disabilities. We serve anybody with any disability of any age, which makes us really unique uh, in the disability world. Yeah, Usually yeah most of them are more specialized than that, yeah. Yes, yes. So anybody that comes in, we do independent living skills training. We do a lot of advocacy, individual and systems advocacy. Um, we target youth. Uh, with disabilities exiting school, so we can empower them to be more independent, mm-hmm. plugged into their communities. Um, there are 12 centers like ours in Ohio, and then there's centers like ours that exist across the country. That's great. I mean, and we're required to be 51% people with disabilities on our boards and on our staff. And uh-huh. that ensures that consumer perspective, that 
in other words, people with disabilities know best what they need, they, rather than mm-hmm. those of us who don't have disabilities telling them what they need or trying to fix them. That is that is such a great insight right there that, uh, you know, the, it, it takes away from that kind of messi- messianic complex that people have about, I'm going to go in and save <laughs> you, and it actually lets people who are going to take advantage of the services help direct them. It's extremely refreshing. Yes, Correct. it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. Can you talk well, a little you. bit about where your centers are? I know that you said you serve Franklin, Delaware, Licking, and Union counties. Where are your, uh, your, mm-hmm. your locations in those counties? Uh, well, we we operate primarily out of uh, Columbus, okay, um, Cl- uh, Clintonville to be exact. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot of remote work, um, but but we travel to any of those areas. And what we found uh, during the pandemic, like so many, was that a, a lot of our service delivery could be virtual um, and and connecting people that way. If we do something that requires hands-on, we just we just go to them. We meet people where they're at. So like we library. also offer employment services. So she's mm-hmm. going to go to to where the person is and where they want to work. That's, uh, again, very refreshing. Rather than trying to drag everybody to a certain place to mm-hmm. make the services happen, mm-hmm. having them happen where people actually are, that also takes down all the he- overhead of having to run a center, a physical center. Or multiple centers. Or multiple centers, mm-hmm. right. So Right. It's just not practical to do that anymore. So I'm going to just check. Is is the other is uh, Sherry on the other line? Not yet. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're, I just want to make sure that we, you know, I don't cut you off when Sherry's not there, and we have to fill that error or anything. So, sure. um, anyway, the um, so you've been working with the Department of Health on these uh, mobile vaccination uh, clinics, uh, and yeah, yes. So uh, tell us a little bit about how that works. What what's going to happen? Well, I know that Sherry's going to come on and, and fill you on uh, on specific details. Uh, we received a grant um, oh, about six months ago uh, that originated with the CDC Foundation, and it was issued to a couple of national um, agencies similar to our own, and they in turn subcontracted across the country uh, to emphasize vaccination work in the disability community because we know that uh, there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy in the disability community. Mm-hmm. We know that often um, there's misinformation out there. And then we also know that a lot of times the vaccines themselves are not accessible. Right. Uh, those of us without disabilities don't think twice about it. Mm-hmm. Um, not a problem to go and get our vax, and, which we've done. Uh, but transportation is a barrier for people with disabilities, just understanding the protocol and why it's important. So our, our charge with that grant uh, was to address those issues. Great. Okay, Sherry's on the other line now, so we are going to take uh, say goodbye to you and bring Sherry in here. Susan Hetrick, uh, Executive Director of the Center for Disability Empowerment, much appreciated. And uh, now we're going to bring on Sherry uh, Valiba, uh, the Information and Referral Coordinator for the Center. Hi, Sherry, are you there? Yes, I am. Great. So uh, uh, Susan gave us a good overview of the Center. Tell us about the mobile clinics that we're going to be doing at the library. Uh, well, the grant funding from those uh, is made possible by the Disability Vaccine Opportunities Center mm-hmm. and the Independent Living Research Utilization. We know that as ILRU, and the grant extends through June of this year. We are going to be having actually our first clinic tomorrow is in Newark at the Newark Public Library. So we're a good friend of the library system, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and uh, we are uh, pleased to be uh, 
planning another clinic at the Delaware County District Library, of course, 84 East Winter Street. Um, that will be Friday, May 13th. Oh, and yes. that will take place from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And our uh, partner with, uh, as far as the provider of the vaccinations, is the Ohio Department of Health uh, Mobile Vaccination Unit. Great. And now the reason you're involved is to help people get there, basically, and make sure that they have access and accessibility to be able to use the clinic, correct? Yes. Uh, That's why we picked uh, libraries. We found them to be very, very accessible in many ways. Uh, So thank you to all the libraries out there for um, the attention and the detail to the Americans with Disabilities Act. We greatly appreciate that in our public buildings, of course. And uh, if if anyone, one of the barriers for people with disabilities and getting to the clinics is transportation. Mm -hmm. So we will be assisting with that, The, the good folks. Uh, with the transportation system in Delaware County is providing free transportation to and from the um, the vaccination clinics, you know, vaccination appointments. Uh, we would we would like folks to call us from Delaware County at our office, uh, the Center for Disability Empowerment, as soon as possible, so we could get that lined up for that day, uh, Friday, May thirteenth, and you can reach us at. You can ask for Sherry or for my colleague, Marley. I'm working on this uh, grant project with my colleague, Marley Sade, and it's been been a challenge to to find locations. we've, um, We've gone through the Ohio Department of Health, and they have sophisticated... Uh, data that shows low vaccination uh, rates. And so we will be having these clinics in all the counties that we serve. And I understand that the broadcast also goes up to Union County. So I want to let you know that we will also be uh, at the Richwood Public Library. Uh, that's at 4 East Ottawa Street in Richwood, Ohio. And that takes place on Thursday, May 19th, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. So we hope the Union County folks will come out and support that and protect their health uh, by getting the vaccinations that they need to guard against COVID. Okay, Sherry, I hate to do this, but I'm going to have to cut you off because we've got another show coming on in, in, the, in just a couple of minutes. But thank you very much. If people, if, you're, if you heard this but you didn't get the phone number, you didn't get the date, call the library or the Center for, Disease, uh, for Disability, Disability Empowerment. Empowerment. And, and, we'll, and we'll one, be... last thing, one last thing, our, clinic, our second clinic at the Delaware Library will take place Friday, June 17th thank from you, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. So. I appreciate getting that in. Thank, thank you. you. And I, there's thank one you. thing we really have to announce, too, today, and that is that the Orange Branch Library will be closed next week. If you've been in that library recently, you know that the parking lot is a disaster area. Mm-hmm. It's crumbling, and so we are stripping it down to pavement or to, to dirt, and we are going to completely repave that parking lot. The only way to do it 
safely as to close the library. So if you had holds that you're going to pick up, they'll be held for an extra week there. So don't worry about that. We don't charge overdue fines, so you don't have to worry about that. The other locations will be all be open on their regular schedules. And we will be talking about those schedules next week because that's going to we're going to be adding a little extra time to the schedule starting at the end of May. So uh, Lee and Adam, we apologize for running a couple of minutes over. We haven't done that to you in a while, but uh, we are so glad to have you here. Thank you, Gage. Uh, thank you to the folks for the Center for uh, Disability, Disability Empowerment, Empowerment, to Nicole, and of course the Friends of the Library for sponsoring the show. Have a good day, and we will see you in the stacks.